The reading is Psalm 19. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words at the end of this world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, and decrees the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precipices of the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoining the heart, and the commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear, fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Isaiah. Don't you love that song? Isn't that awesome? Wonderful stuff. Come up here. There we go. Just a, a beautiful, beautiful love poem. Love poem to God. Death throws and new life is the name of the sermon today. And you know, this psalm is the place that, that I often will go when I'm going to attempt to preach something that is critical of my fellow uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I do that because the first ooh, 11 verses are my spirituality. And I go along thinking, yeah, yeah, that's what God is. Yeah, God's everything. Yeah, that's right, that's right. God, God is in the universe and of the universe and, and an expression within the universe is a godly expression and, and God's law is perfect and revives the soul. If we just follow what God says to do, everything's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I wish other people would feel that way. And then I get to verse 12. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. And it does for me in Scripture what my wife usually does for me in life which is stop me in my tracks and say, wait a second. I have this issue with occasionally becoming arrogant. I know that shocks and surprises all of you. Um, but I can be so right that I become wrong. You know what I mean? You know when you know you're completely in the right and you get strident? You see, that's, that's when I trip. That's, that's when I really screw up is when I'm right. When I'm wrong, I tend to shrink back and go very carefully. Why, why can't I go very carefully when I'm right? Why can't I be gracious and graceful when I'm right? That's the more dangerous time for me, is when I know I'm right. Any of you, does that resonate with any of you? You get that way too? Yeah. I can be a real jerk 
when I'm right. So that that twelfth verse always makes me go. And I needed to do that this week uh, because I subjected myself to a two and a half hour creation versus evolution debate. Did you see that with with uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy uh, versus one of my least favorite Christians in the world, Ken Ham? There, I said it. And I watched this debate, and the whole time I'm watching it, I, I'm getting more and more frustrated and more and more sad. More and more sad. Because this guy, Bill Nye, he's phenomenal. He was, he's a wonderful, wonderful scientist and human being and a great media personality. And there's a whole generation of kids that have fallen in love with science because of this man. And all he is saying, he's not saying there is no God. He is saying, look at all the evidence we have that the earth is older than 6,000 years old. Look at all the evidence we have that we all branched out from the same sort of DNA. He even put up a graphic showing how many faithful people, religious people there were in the world, and he said, and almost all of them have no problem with the concept of evolution. It's a very small subset that insists that the world is 6,000 years old. And I'm watching this, and I'm, I'm watching Ken Ham treat the book of Genesis, which is a beautiful expression of so many human tendencies and a beautiful expression of where we came from, but not a science textbook. And I'm seeing him use that as a science textbook and doing great violence. And I'm getting more and more frustrated. And then I see Pat Robertson not my favorite Christian. I often disagree with him. And Pat Robertson on his TV show says, Ken Ham needs to just shut up. Did you see that? Pat Robertson says, Ken Ham needs to just shut up. We are losing an entire generation of intelligent children to this mess. A bishop counted back generations and came up with 6,000 years as the age of the earth, and that's the only reason that people are insisting on it. Look at the earth, Pat Robertson says. Look at the layers. See that the earth might be billions of years old. It doesn't matter. So I'm really not alone. I'm really not alone. I know, exactly, Rock. And, and there's this double thing going on inside my head of, yeah, you tell him, Pat? <laughs> but that is, that is an example of an extremist view that is dying and needs to die. And it's not nearly as extreme as some other extremist views. The, the extremist view that says... You will get to heaven and be rewarded if you blow up as many infidels as possible. That's awful. What's, what's happening in, in uh, uh, one of the sub-Saharan African countries is the, the Republic of the Congo right now, where for years Christians have been abused, oppressed, and murdered by Muslims. And now the Christians have taken over and they're going village to village and murdering Muslims. 
They're going right back the other way and doing the same thing. As if, as if either the Muslim or Christian God, which I believe are supposed to be the same as the Abraham's God, um, all three religions are supposed to have the same God, right? And I don't think that God wants any of us to exterminate each other. And that sort of extremism is happening. All the buzz at the Olympics, it wasn't about the athletes this week, was it? It was about the odds of a terrorist attack occurring and people dying. And I remember back to 1972 in Munich, I was a nine-year-old kid, sports nut, getting up on Saturday morning, running downstairs, turning on the TV, waiting for it to warm up from that little dot. <laughs> and when it finally did, I'm seeing a picture of a guy with a machine gun standing outside a motel room while Jim McKay is talking about the Israeli athletes, some of them probably dead, and many of them held hostage. And I remember that. I just wanted to watch Mark Spitz. And it all came crashing in. I believe we are in the death throes of this right now. And you know what I think is killing it? Take a guess. What do you think is killing extremist religion? In my opinion. Well, yeah, themselves. That's the great John McCain quote. Our enemies all want to be martyrs for God and we hope to cooperate with them. <laughs> yeah. No. I think it's the internet. I think we are growing to be more of a world community. And I think it is harder and harder for people to just spout off like this without people hearing another voice in their ear, having an opportunity to see another side, having an opportunity to weigh evidence and figure things out. I think the internet is going to prove to be a godsend because it's creating a community. Think about it. If, if you are of the internet age like now in, in East, East where the heckistan, there's a major uprising. You don't know where East what the heck, where the heckistan is. So you Google it and you find out that this is a nation that's splintered off from the old Soviet Union and here are the problems in this area and, and there's this kind of strife going on and, and you read back history. That's a lot different than even the first Gulf War when Toby Keith could come out with a song saying, let's pave Iraq. You can't think like that anymore unless you're willfully stupid. And yes, there are people who are willfully stupid. And they're the ones who become religious extremists. It's become a choice to be ignorant. It's become a choice to be ignorant. To choose to consume only one type of biased news. You can only do that by choice. To cut off conversation and debate from alternate voices and other ideas. You have to choose not to try to understand. So yeah, I think that extremism is in its death throes. So what will we replace it with? What will we replace extremism with? When we stop automatically hating someone because we don't know them. Well, 
The heavens are telling the glory of God. The firmament proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. A voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Psalm 19 is telling us that not only are we built to love, but we live in a universe that was built by love. There is a central core power that we call God that runs through all of existence. And there was a time when it was possible to remain totally ignorant of anything beyond the material. But that time has long since passed. And now we all can know. We all can know that our default setting is peace and love. We all can know that. Extremism in its death throes is a very, very good thing. As long as we realize that it doesn't get replaced by some kind of thing that's nastier, some vacuum opens up and our own worst intentions will fill it. That's where we come to verse 11 and 12. We are warned in verse 11 to focus on God's plain, old, simple commandments. And in verse 12, we are reminded that even though we are focused there, we will still commit errors. And we will be flawed in ways that we might not even understand. So the answer to death throws is new life and the end of extremism comes when we stop being extreme and our own reactions to it when we refuse to let that pendulum swing so far in the other direction remember Jesus saying turn the other cheek that's the idea we can end religious extremism in our lifetime it starts by ending religious extremism in our own lives. Amen.